Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and convention coverage, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Covering the whole galaxy of Star Wars toys. Welcome to Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie. We're on episode 503, Arnie. We had a little break that we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah, the rumors of our death are greatly exaggerated. (laughs) Or hoped for by some people, maybe. I don't know. But we actually had a little bit of life happen to us. I don't know if you're friends with us on Facebook or Twitter. You may have noticed over the last year and a half or so, Arnie's father has been ill off and on. And in April, he passed away unexpectedly, actually. We we kind of didn't expect it to happen that quick. Enough bad news. That's just why we're gone. But we are back. And that's what's important right now. And we felt we had to get back in the saddle before San Diego Comic-Con and let you know that the original Star Wars Collecting Podcast is going to be bringing you the coverage from San Diego Comic-Con 2018. Once again, our 13th consecutive San Diego Comic-Con coverage. It seems much longer than that. It really does. Although I remember our first year, we bought tickets the week before. Like, yeah. bought the convention tickets the week before. It was like a last-minute thing. And then we just wandered into Hall H, in and out, and wherever we wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. We did have to walk into Hall H, though, uphill both ways. <laughs> Carrying all of our books with no shoes and socks on, yeah. mister. Charlie Chaplin was kind of following us behind. So, <laughs> But for 13 years, we've been proud to bring you San Diego Comic-Con coverage. I think our ability to do it has increased year after year. Technology has enabled us to do it more and more. We're going to be bringing you tons of live booth tours, interviews with toy makers and marketing teams, and a look at San Diego, basically being there with everything except the bloody stumps for feet. That is true. You can save your feet by sitting at home and watching our coverage. And I really strongly urge you guys to watch coverage of sites that are actually there. We are the ones putting in the hard work and, you know, making bloody stumps of our feet and spending our money going out there. So make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We're going to be there. But... Since it's been a little while since we've had a collecting show, we did all gather round for a round table about Solo, but we talked primarily movie and movie-related collectibles. It's been a crazy 2018 for collecting, and I'll say my collecting, despite not having a show come out, my collecting has never been stronger. Statues have been coming in the mail. I've gone back to buying some figures in stores because I can actually find the new vintage collection figures in stores. Yeah, oddly, it is pretty easy to find in the stores. I know GameStop has had a bunch. If you're in the Midwest, Meyer has had a really good stock. And I don't think it's selling as well, but they've got them. Target as well. I saw a number of TVC figures at Target and also some great sales. Stuff I held off on from The Last Jedi, like, or even just that period. Those centerpieces, got those for about half off. Walmart has had some hit or miss deep, deep clearances. I mean, we found some figures for $3. Some people were finding them for $0.03. Cents. I have an entire 
herd of Rathtar because Walmart had them down to $7 and a fleet of probe droids. I know somebody's going to be able to tell me, but what do you call a big gathering or group of Rathtars? I mean, a, a gathering of porgs is a murder, like crows. What are Rathtars? A school? I don't know. Somebody needs to find out and let me know. And I even got a second BB-8 playset because... I picked up one for $50 at Target because Target had left the wrong tag on the shelf. They left a discount tag that said it was $50 or they had a shelf that or they had the shelf tag that was $99 and then in the cartwheel app is $50 off that and it was supposed to be $150 of $50 off because it's been staying at right around the $100 mark. So with the shelf tag there and I took a picture of it when I took it up to the register, they gave it to me for $49.99. Yeah, that's... A great deal. I couldn't pass up a second one at that price because right now, while I'm collecting, I'm excited to announce that the construction of Sithsonian version 2 is commencing. You mean the Gungenheim? Well, can't take Gungenheim because that was John in Texas. Red oh. 5 had Gungenheim. Hmm. Or maybe it was Darth Prime. One of those two did the Gungenheim, and I hate to steal their name. Yeah, and I think you and Duncan both had the Sinsonian. Separately, but equally. Yeah. And Duncan and I are happy having the East Coast Sinsonian and the West Coast Sinsonian, even though we're both in the Midwest. I'm a little bit further east. You're separated by the Mississippi River. And I'm more with... Dr. Dre from Yo! MTV Raps than I am Dr. Dre from NWA. So I, I am, have no idea what you just said. I'm totally East Coast Tribe represent. Okay. But it probably will be renamed, but I've been collecting for several years without being able to really display, and that's all going to change. <laughs> we've had the contractor out. We've shown him the new, bigger basement, talked through my plans, and I'm hopeful that by the next Toy Fair, maybe, we could have the majority of my Star Wars stuff on display. Wait, are you talking 2019? Yeah, the next Toy Fair. Okay, now I got a little nervous. Hey, if anybody's going to need any cardboard boxes this winter, hit me up. It looks like I'm going to have a bunch. <laughs> also, we're probably going to have a major sale of items that Arnie doesn't realize that he has purchased twice. I am going to have a culling. I've come to realize that I either need to embrace my inner sand suite and buy a 10,000 square foot barn and then realize that's still never going to be enough space the way Steve has realized it. Or I think I'm going to decide to prioritize based upon what makes a good display and not hone to the rules like I used to of three of everything, at least one of everything. But multiples of everything, if I need them, I certainly will not be displaying every modern action figure loose and carded. I can't even figure out, I loved the carded display we did in the old Smithsonian that was an entire wall of figures. I just think that looks great, but that's a lot of wall space being eaten up. It is. It's a lot of wall space that you could use for a lot of the art you've got or putting statues, you know, on shelves in front of the walls. So I don't know. There's some decisions to be made. We've got a lot of space to work with and you're going to have the opportunity to custom build another display so or another collection area because you get the entire basement and it bleeds over upstairs and onto the second floor but that's just what happens when you collect yeah it's going to be all over the house but it's nice that we can have a concentrated area that when i buy something i can take it right down and put it on display instead of taking it opening it going yep it's not broken 
taking some photos, reviewing it for the show, and then taking it to a storage unit. <laughs> so yes, it's going to be an exciting time for my collecting. But collecting in general, kind of an interesting time. We are in some interesting times. I think that the closing of Toys R Us has put us in a very unique, strange position. I mean, that was the only chain toy store that was everywhere. I mean, there's not another chain. I mean, there might be some local chains, but aren't they usually like the fungicational toys? Well, there's something like Toink that has a number of locations around the Chicago area and the couple others we found in Chicago. Okay, so major chain, Toys R Us was it. Yeah, as far as nationwide, it was Toys R Us. and they was worldwide. Yeah, and they lost to Walmart, they lost to Target, and really they lost to their own investors because they were making enough money if this dubious process of borrowing the entire value of the purchase hadn't happened when Toys R Us was acquired and they just bad accounting practices and unable to pay the interest on their loans, not unable to cover operating expenses. But I was sad to see Toys R Us go. Our Toys R Us has never been a place that was great this century. It's always been really kind of dirty and run down and compared to Target, Walmart, and especially the internet, overpriced. But I have great memories of it from, go back to listen to our first episodes. I think we talked about when I sat out in front of Toys R Us for 12 hours for the episode three toy launch because of that holographic Yoda and having just a bit of a line party out there. And I went there the weekend it opened when I was a kid. I think I was like eight or nine. And I bought all my video games there for Nintendo and Genesis through high school. It was a staple in my life, my whole life. And it is sad to see it go for that reason. But Life moves on. Retail in general is dying. I mean, Sears is going, and is it Bergner's? I think Bergner's, yeah, they're closing the whole chain. But what's odd is our Toys R Us is now going to become a big lots, but the Babies R Us that was right next door is still empty. So who knows what's going to happen? It seems the discount chains are moving in. That is what's really blossoming right now is like the Dollar General and... Dollar General is going crazy all over building, like brand new buildings. And I, I assume they build them filthy. I don't know. They're, <laughs> all the Dollar Generals I've ever been in have been really gross and kind of sketchy and dirty. So I assume that they're just built that way automatically, dark with that weird mothball old cheese <laughs> smell. I assume that they just, I don't know, maybe it's in the tile or something. But yeah, there's a lot of changes on the retail landscape. And, you know, there's a lot of different things happening. I know we've seen tweets from, well, actually... Tweets from two warring KB accounts, which seem to have gone away now, whether which one's the real one, someone bought the name. And I still say that Toys R Us is going to come back in some fashion because I have never seen more Toys R Us emails, sponsored tweets, or sponsored Facebook ads as I have seen since they announced their closing. Then... On their last day of operations, they posted the sad picture of Jeffrey with his little carry-on suitcase, you know, saying, like, it's not goodbye or whatever. I think that maybe they're going to move to maybe online and rebrand. I know somebody bought the name. I think it was the CEO of Toys R Us, when it went up to auction, bought the name to it with the intent of relaunching something as Toys R Us. And that does explain the social media marketing. Make everybody so nostalgic for Toys R Us Mm -hmm. that when we come back, everybody rushes to us. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's what's going to happen because it did seem rather clever and targeted. I would think that if they're trying to get the last buck out of everything, you're not wasting it on advertising. I mean, I know that numerous Toys R Us has sold all their stock to discount chains at the last few days because a lot of it wasn't moving. I'll be honest at ours. We went like two days before they closed and they still had 50 some Gen Ursos in the Legends line. You did a count one day of the Gen Urso figures and wasn't it 83? Yeah, so they sold like 30 some or close to 30 on the discounts, but like the last day we went, wasn't everything like 70% off? Yeah. And they still had 50 some of her. But we do know that before Toys R Us closed, they did have people go through, before the discounts got too deep, I think right around the 40-50% mark, somebody went through and picked a lot of the stuff to sell at wholesale to companies like Five Below and Big Lots and things like that. So I noticed a lot of the Star Wars toys disappeared, but yet the Admiral Radis and the Jin Urso figures and stuff remained as well as... Ezra's speeder. Yes, most of the $20 vehicles. I'd skipped a lot of those $20 vehicles, and I cleaned up. I've not bought as many Star Wars toys at retail as I did at Toys R Us once they hit 50%. I had a two carts full. It was honestly the same amount of toys I bought during that Phantom Menace midnight release is what I bought at the 50% off sale, just filling holes and troop building. It was a lot of fun, honestly. But that last day going in there, it was a sad, dirty sight. It was really bad. Pretty much all they had left were Jin Urso figures and fidget spinners. Literally thousands of fidget spinners. I mean, there were so many racks of those. And at 70% off, no one was buying those either. Except we were walking out, you said some guy was just grabbing them by the handful. Yeah, he and his son, I don't know if his son was having a birthday party with all of his schoolmates and they were going to give everybody a fidget spinner, but they had a giant bag and were taking every fidget spinner off of every rack. So maybe they're opening a fidget spinner store. There is a new toy store opening. Maybe this was the guy who's opening it and he just wanted to stock up on fidget spinners. Yeah, but that's not really a toy store like we go to. That's one of those fungicational stores. It is, but he said because Toys R Us closed, he's expanding his number of mainstream offerings. But he's still probably going to be expensive. I, I, I fully support shopping local. We shop local. We eat local. We patronize local businesses. However, for things like that, they cannot compete. And it doesn't make financial sense to pay $10 more for something. No. But Star Wars sales were down last year. Now, I know there is a faction of people who are like... Fire Kathleen Kennedy! Look at the toy sales! Nobody liked The Last Jedi because toys didn't sell. Guess what? I'm going to just put the cap on that argument forever. I know there are people who have their reasons to want to see Star Wars fail. I mean, I don't understand nor empathize with it, but something really pissed them off, and they're saying that the quality of The Last Jedi meant no toys sold last year. Except... We're talking fourth quarter sales. We're talking September through December sales. The movie was only out a few weeks of that quarter. You cannot tell me that the few weeks after the movie was released tanked sales for an entire quarter. The sales were down irrespective of the quality of the movie. Yes, irrespective. Irregardless is not a word. Irrespective (laughs) of the quality of that movie. So 
why is that is the real question. And I know there have been a lot of conference calls with stockholders, with reporters. Hasbro's CEO, Brian Goldner, has said a lot on it. But the partner sales, which is every licensed title they have, Marvel, Star Wars, I know there's a couple other small ones, but those are pretty much the big two, were down 21% in the fourth quarter over the previous year. I will say, well, you buy your collecting stuff and you you have your one of everything, whatever. My impulse buys of action figures have actually gone down because of the price. And I understand everything costs more. It's a fact of life. It sucks. We can all agree on that. But... When I'm looking at a Legends figure, when I'm looking at a Black Series figure, and it's $20, I kind of think twice about it. I mean, the only thing I went all in is you bought me actually a few cases of the Porg action figures because I love the Porgs, but I mean, it's less for that. The Vintage Collection, yeah, I think it's like 14 bucks, isn't it, for each one? Uh, 13 yeah. So... Just for comparison, in 2005, which was episode three, we were buying them for $4.99. Yeah. And I understand the cost of everything's gone up, and we're talking almost 15 years ago that we were buying them for $4.99. But yes, I buy less of, this is cute, let me buy one for my desk at work now, just for that reason. I may buy something like an extra titanium ship. Well, and that's funny, because I do that a lot too, and mine has shifted to things like the Tsum Tsums and things like that, which are in a much more affordable price point. I think my point is, and I went a long way to get there, is that the impulse buys, which are a lot of it, are capped at a dollar amount, and action figures have now exceeded that cap. So I'm buying less of them. I also think people who are casual fans, I think we really need to think about this for a second. Pops are 8 to $10. And that is a super easy thing to pick up to show your fandom. I mean, you've got Stranger Things. Pretty much everything has a freaking pop. I can't think of anything that doesn't have one right off the top of my head. I'm waiting for them to do their Podcasters in History series where it'd be Adam Carolla. And Adam Curry. Adam Curry and Kevin Smith and us. and <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say us and that, but okay. We've been doing it long enough. <laughs> yes, but whatever. Okay, a little bit much there, Arnie. I'm just, I, I know hey, you're joking. I'm getting a big bobblehead is what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, other than like licensing individual people that are just random United States citizens, I, I don't know who doesn't have a license. But my point is... The fact that they're doing James Wan, director of the Fast and Furious and Saw series, tells me it's gone a little far. Well, they've got a director series. Yeah, but... Is there really a James Wan fan out there? I know there are Spielberg fans, and I know there are Lucas fans, but is anybody sitting there like, I can't wait to see the next James Wan film? I'll tell you, Death Sentence is completely underrated. You gotta see his second film, the Death Wish sequel with Kevin Bacon, because it's James Wan! Oh my god, I wish you guys could see his face doing that. But I, I think that for the impulse buy... Pops hit a sweet spot, and that is what is taking that away from action figures. Yeah, I'll agree. Pops, while ubiquitous, and anybody who completely lives in them 
anybody who has a complete collection of them, I feel, must live in them like a homeless person's box fort. Like they have built their house out of the pop boxes if they're all in. That Funko documentary was really interesting on Netflix, but it showed people who they didn't like the pops when they came out. They preferred those wacky wobblers and... I didn't ever like the wacky wobblers, but I got in on the pops. I'm kind of stepping back on the pops because they do so many. And I feel the Star Wars license isn't the one that they represent best. I love their aliens primarily. So I'm going to be more picky choosy in the Funko space. But honestly, they get a little frustrating with the exclusives and the limited runs. And the Star Wars ones aren't always that tough to get like some of the other ones they do but you have to add in the problem of the shipping of those where often somebody throw them in a padded envelope and they arrive mangled because those boxes are so delicate and I know people make repro boxes but it's not the same I mean if you look at the box cross it's gonna crumble and I can't imagine I see people stack them like ceiling high and I'm like how are you doing that not crushing the ones on the bottom these things are not shelf stable like that a lot of them do use the stackable pop protectors yes i, I understand but i've seen them without the pop protectors mm-hmm. i'm like how do you not have this falling every five seconds just if someone opens your front door they're all gonna like crash and then be destroyed but the key with pops is it's specifically a desk tchotchke there's zero points of articulation unless they have to do a bobblehead a lot of the pops aren't even bobbleheads but for star wars hasbro's got that market locked up so they have to bobble and they're just desk tchotchkes that are bought by people of all ages. Kids put them on their desks, you know, at home where they do their homework. Adults, I just, my office is full of pops from people who are not toy collectors. Well, just to give you an example, my nephew is eight and every year for Christmas or for his birthday, he wants like the pop of whatever his new fad is. I mean, it's been Stranger Things for a while. He likes that. So he likes Stranger Things pops. Previously, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pops. So it's a cycle and it's a cheap way, which is what action figures used to fill. Yes, it is exactly that. In that I remember being a kid and there were so many movies that got action figure lines that don't really deserve action figure lines, but they were what sold because they were cheap. They were a buck ninety nine a figure and people would buy that even when $2 was worth maybe what $5 is today or $8. But there's a lot of factors that go into why toy sales are down. One thing late last year you can't discount. Everybody knew Toys R Us was on a shaky foundation. There was a lot of rumors and speculation that they were going to go bankrupt for six months before they did. Well, and remember they closed their flagship store in Times Square in Manhattan, which is a big blow to close a flagship store. And yes, rent is very expensive in Manhattan. and It was eating them alive, I'm sure. But they should have had the volume at that store. It was huge. It was like, what? three stories Mm -hmm. and amazingly fun. And then they opened up a pop-up shop that was like a fraction of the size, like a few blocks south of it. Yeah, but it was killing them in rent. And at that point, they were struggling to stay alive. But back to my point, what Hasbro had said, I believe at Toy Fair, possibly at New York Comic Con, was that they had reduced the amount of toys they were selling to Toys R Us. Because you know how these things work is you get 
bulk purchases on what they call net 30 or net 90, where you don't pay for the toys if you're a store when you get them. You get a certain period of time with no interest where you do them. So if you give them net 30, that means a store can get something and have 30 days to recoup their money by selling it before they have to pay you. And in late last year, Hasbro had already begun strategically mitigating their losses by reducing the amount of credit they would extend to Toys R Us. So Toys R Us had to pay more upfront for those Hasbro toys, and that could be a big reason why the Hasbro toy sales were down. I can say that I didn't find a lot during the Christmas season. There were some. They were restocking even after the bankruptcy a little bit, but I never found a lot of the six-inch vintage figures there or really much Last Jedi product. No, and our store in particular did not get a lot of the Last Jedi product. If you recall, when we did that toy run with Andrew and we did the Force Friday, he came down and hung out with us. We, we went to Target first. Target had more stock and we went to Toys R Us after and we were sorely disappointed, if you recall. I don't think, I mean, maybe we got one figure. They got one wave of everything or one case and that's it. And and being in other Toys R Us's around the country, some of them had like double aisles with Star Wars and Marvel, but they all still had Force Awakens stuff and just a smattering of Last Jedi. So when your one of your biggest retailers doesn't stock it, I imagine it was sitting in a stock room somewhere, maybe in a warehouse. It just never made it to the floor because they weren't selling through. And part of the reason is, yes, Toys R Us was more expensive, but I was often discouraged from buying things there due to price and the fact that it was often in bad condition because it had been sitting on the shelf for so long. It was dirty, dented, dusty, whatever. And I think that makes a big factor. They just didn't keep up the stores the last, what, two, three years, I'd say. And that makes a difference in where people shop. I mean, think of a really nice Toys R Us you've been in. Times Square. That one wasn't really... It's was still dirty and dingy. No, no, that one was not. I thought it was a little... Not when we did Force Friday 2. That's true. Or 1, Force Friday 1. Force Friday 1, yes, it was really nice. But other than the pop-up shops they had, they had one in Penn Station, and then they had one in in Times Square that was a little south of that. They were nicer and cleaner and differently organized. But as a rule, when you go to a Toys R Us store, they were just really run down and not a welcoming place to shop. Yeah, Certainly not a modern aesthetic. They never had the money to redesign their stores. That was part of their bankruptcy. They wanted to redesign their stores. They had a new plan, never had the money to do it. But back to the Star Wars toys. Star Wars, remember, when The Force Awakens came out and we went to Toy Fair in San Diego after that, Steve Evans was up there with a big smile and Joe Ninavaji saying Star Wars Black Series was the number one toy of 2015, and it was the top brand of 2016. But in 2017, it lost to Nerf and Pokemon. Well, in Star Wars's defense, everyone and their grandmother was playing Pokemon for a while, if you recall. Do you remember when they had the panel at Comic-Con in Hall H, which is the biggest panel room? It's like a stadium. And there was an exclusive Pokemon, and people were standing outside with their phones on the walls trying to catch the exclusive Pokemon that was being released. I mean, it had everywhere from little kids to grandmas playing that game. It was a nationwide phenomenon. But then the other thing is, I think The Last Jedi just wasn't as toyetic. And I think the same thing a little bit of The Force Awakens. I think Lucas was very shrewd, especially if you look at, like, the droid versus 
clone army's battle on Kashyyyk in episode three. They made toys of every ship there, but I often felt that story-wise, that battle didn't add a whole lot. It certainly added a whole lot to my collection, and I think that the cartoon series were more toyetic, which is why we had Ezra Speeder and some of the other stuff in the toy lines, but after doing the Rogue One ATAT, I didn't see them doing the Gorilla Walkers from The Last Jedi, and... I like The Last Jedi. I did, you know, talked about it for hours on Now Playing. I liked the movie. I understand it has flaws. But no part of me thinks an Admiral Holdo figure is what my collection needs. Honestly, I think they could have done so much better on that figure. I didn't think it was a great figure, to be honest. Um, I would like to see that one improved. Maybe it needs some retooling. But it was very bland. But the character design, I'm going to say the character design was very monochromatic and very bland as well. They are called action figures because you usually want the action heroes. You want the ones involved in the lightsabers. Praetorian guards, which they made and put in all those various, you know, the four packs and individuals and all of that. And Kylo Ren and Rey. But I mean, honestly, we didn't need Porg action figures, but we needed Porg action figures. Well, what I read on Bloomberg is that The Last Jedi's toys weren't selling well, again, before the movie came out, but it also says, with some notable exceptions, Fandango Fan Shop, which is a terrible store, really. I mean, it's just the bottom-rung online place I would almost never shop there, but their number one best-selling toy was the plush Porg. They are pretty awesome, not gonna lie. I think Porgs found their niche, including my co-host here. What are you saying? Just because I created a Porg page on Facebook, whatever, and, and a Porg website. Yeah. Um, maybe. Maybe. And I do have a Porg shrine in our living room. It has taken over the living room. And I think I've got everything Porg, don't I? No, you skipped a couple backpacks, oh, a couple yeah. purses. I did skip some of that stuff. And there's so many shirts. Yeah. And phone cases. I mean, Porgs are everywhere. But you have, I think, every plush one and every action figure in multiples. Yes. And an entire murder of Black Series six-inch scaled Porgs. And Mm -hmm. we'll talk probably later or next show about the San Diego Comic-Con Porgs that you were drooling over. They're just as cute in person, guys. But there's also a twofer that I found out about, Forbes and Pablo Hidalgo. Separately, Pablo on Twitter, Forbes on their website, pointed out action figures aren't the cool thing anymore. Now, Pablo said it in a way that hurt me a little bit. What he specifically said is he was talking to a toy exec, and the toy exec said, quote, Kids increasingly see action figures and plastic toys as punishment toys because it's what they have to play with when they lose access to electronic devices, end quote. Hmm... I've seen that with your niece and nephew. I've seen that with now playing co Stewart's nieces. They don't care so much about toys. They care about what's the latest thing on my iPad? What's the latest thing on my Xbox? Although on the flip side, my nephew has taken to making his own action figures because they don't make the ones he wants. So he has learned how to take wire for 
the limbs and the body so that they have some mobility and he sculpts clay around them. Now, I mean, he's a little kid. They're actually kind of fun looking in a warped way, but he's getting better the more he does this. Like he was making them from Portal and making Portal stuff that he couldn't find in stores. So, I mean, there's that, but I mean, that kid, his video games, he knows this stuff, his iPad and his Xbox and all that fun stuff. And then Forbes says... The fundamental problem with Star Wars toys remains one of consumer base. Kids are more interested in electronic toys and video games nowadays, while the first generation of adult action figure collectors who began with Kenner Star Wars toys are starting to approach retirement with more pressing concerns than collectibles. Now, that made me feel a little better because this means I'm one of the youngest members of the first generation of Star Wars (laughs) toy collectors. But... Look at Steve Sansweet, one of the very first Star Wars toy collectors, starting in 76 with the book and really diving in in 77. He's retired. He's of retirement age. That's happening more and more. And yeah, as people get older, have kids, I know that our listeners and us either don't have kids or have prioritized collecting and balanced it with family. But once you are looking at a more fixed income... All expenses for non-essential items, trips, toys, cars, has to be reduced because you have X number of dollars and the interest on it to live on once you're retired. So I don't think, and I'm going to be talking to Hasbro about this at San Diego, but I don't think kids are the target for toys anymore. And as recently as three to five years ago, Hasbro was standing there saying, we can't focus on collectors. We have to get the kids. I don't think Hasbro specifically failed. The entire toy industry failed in doing that. And so now I think Maddie Collector was ahead of the curve. They're selling that exclusive laughing Prince Adam figure. It's like $35, but they know that Kids don't want Laughing Prince Adam. It's a collector's item. Can Hasbro do that? Can Hasbro, a publicly traded company that usually has over a billion dollars in revenue, they can't afford to turn into a niche market. They can't be a Bandai. They can't be a Good Smile. They can't be a Kotobukiya. And really, they can't even be a Mattel in that way. They have to keep pushing the billion dollar business and the higher the price of figures goes the more you look at options i am all in on star wars sh figure arts i love those figures they're amazing their detail is unparalleled their facial likenesses are as good or better than hasbro is doing with their 3d printed faces their six inch scale although they're not quite Black Series 6-inch. They're smaller than that. You couldn't intersperse the two. If you took a Black Series Anakin and the figure arts Obi-Wan, Anakin would look like he came from Land of the Giants or something. But they're $50, or if you get lucky on eBay, 45 or so, versus 24 20 to 24 for a Black Series 6-inch. So yeah, it's double the cost. But exponentially better in the detail. And what I'm saying is once you start catering to an adult collector, the prices do go up, but there's a lot of options in that space already. Yeah, and I believe that we're also seeing a saturation of products in general. 
I mean, can you think of a single type of thing that's not made in the Star Wars license? Yeah, they've certainly blown up and overblown in the housewares and other markets. I mean, there's nothing you can't buy right now, I don't think, that's Star Wars branded. If we wanted, we could have a Star Wars coffee mug, a Star Wars coffee maker. And you could have a Star Wars Keurig and an R2-D2 French press. And a Darth Vader toaster. You could deck out your whole kitchen. And a BB-8 or a Death Star waffle maker. Mm-hmm. You can have grill tools. If you move to your office, you can have... Actually, a really cool tape dispenser we bought at Hallmark last night. It's an ad ad on the ground. It's super cool. Not as cool as the weird 3PO one that was applause back in the day, but it's still really cool. There's a paperclip holder. There's perpetual calendars. There's the $8,000 Han and Carbonite desk that you can put and you can sit in the Emperor's replica chair behind it. You can buy, I think Lenovo had a Star Wars edition laptop, a Last Jedi edition laptop. There's speakers, shower heads, faucets. Cars. Cars, shoes, underwear for adults and children, male and female. There are sweatpants, but I think there's a lack of jeans. There's no jeans with Rebel logos. Actually, incorrect. Her universe does make Star Wars <laughs> jeans with patches on them. Eh. There's patches. So, no, I think you're covered on the fashion. I mean, I've seen nothing. I know not official. I've not seen licensed bras, but there are people in Etsy who make Star Wars bras out of the fabric. Yeah, I'm only talking licensed Licensed, stuff. okay. I've not seen bras. Okay, that's the one thing. Although you can buy sports bras that are Star Wars. And bikini tops. Well, the whole swimsuit genre is covered Mm -hmm. as well as everything. So I can't think of anything that we can't get with Star Wars on it. Major appliances. There is not yet a Star Wars refrigerator. And I say yet. Well, I mean, people have made the Carbonite, but it's not official. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that there's a market for high ticket items like that. I mean, if we just redid our kitchen... This winter, so I can't imagine that we would have dropped whatever what we dropped on our current appliances on Star Wars themed appliances. I mean, my my oven sings a song when it's preheated. I guess I could mod it to do the Imperial March, I suppose, but I bet I could make a hack. I also thought nobody would buy the Nissan Rogue just for Star Wars, and a lot of people did. That's true. So it just depends on if we were in the market and we were redesigning a kitchen or needed a replacement appliance and there was a Darth Vader dishwasher that it would eject steam and make the breathing sound with an option to turn that off, of course, <laughs> might be considerable. But yeah, it's also, though, I just think the last movie... It had a lot of characters in the same outfits is one thing I read, is Finn didn't wear that much different clothing, Ray wore a gray outfit instead of a tan outfit, but Luke looked the same at the end of Force Awakens as he did during Last Jedi. There just weren't a ton of new ways to introduce those characters. And Finn, they did put him in his Imperial Officer disguise, and Ray, they did release. It's just... They missed some marketing gold, though, because when Luke Force projected himself in The Last Jedi, not only did he give himself a haircut, he apparently had been using Just for Men and darkened his hair and took out the white. They could have made, you know, a Last Jedi edition of Just for Men. I mean, you guys are all getting older. (laughs) There's razors from Gillette, so why not? 
Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything that there isn't. It's just a question of what can be done. Now, they did have a decent first quarter. Things Sales were still down, but let's not discount the barge. I did order a barge or two. Two? Two. Okay. I ordered one, and then they offered the yak face, and I ordered another, I believe. I, I might have ordered two up front and think about ordering a third because of that yak face, but yeah, definitely two because I want a yak face to keep carded with my 6x9 carded figure collection, and I want one that I can open and display, although I think that same figure on a different card is going to be released retail. But that's the only way to get it on that card. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the barge caused a little bit of controversy. I mean, they got funded, which is great. I know there's some sites who were helping people in Europe get it because UK and everyone over there was pretty much shut out as far as getting it. They did open it up to Canada. That helped. Well, I found funny is it crawled to 5,000. But once it hit 5,000, it jumped to 8,000 in a blink. Yeah. And it's almost like people were afraid that they were going to take their money and never get it back, maybe, if it wasn't funded. But that's never what they intended to do. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that they did it. And it does open the door for more collector-focused things. I mean, think about they did action figures. I know they did a vehicle, and they came out guns blazing with the barge, to be honest. I mean, go big or go home. And what I had said earlier about focusing on the collector and appeasing a collector market with expensive items but fill that niche that's exactly what Haslab did yeah imagine if they did a death star playset mm-hmm. and a really kick-ass one they're trying to bring playsets that appeal to both kids and adults with that bb-8 by making it a bb-8 and giving it that force link technology but in the end yeah fifty dollars even some walmarts had it at 50 without a price error and i think amazon might have gone close to that price at least they went down to 80 and making a collector-oriented, detailed Death Star. And I think they learned the trick. You got to include an exclusive figure Mm -hmm. or at least an exclusive variant of a figure. So maybe throw us a Dianoga or something in that trash compactor. Well, and I wonder when this is shipped, how many we're going to see on the second market minus the figure. I think quite a few. Uh And I think they'll sell over retail. I also think part of the reason the sales jumped so much after 5,000 is beforehand, people were like, I don't want to spend that much. I just don't think it will happen. It's not where I want to put my money. And they were smart. They did it. Around tax refund time. Oh, absolutely. That was genius. That was the best time to do it because people usually get a refund and, you know, a little extra money, want to buy something for myself. Yeah, it's usually not budgeted money. It's a little bit of mad money, trip money, toy money. Mm -hmm. But once it happened, then the FOMO really hit because they knew this is the only way to get it. Now it may be released overseas at retail because HasLab could not accommodate overseas patrons. But what it's not going to be is at retail here in the States. And that thing, I cannot imagine the overseas shipping charge on a four-foot barge. So I'm thinking that the FOMO set in and people were like, oh, now it's going to be out and I have to get it now or never. A lot of those people who maybe didn't want it 
but felt like they have to be completists jumped on board. I kind of like it. I think it's a great idea. I like what they're doing with this, and I really can't wait for them to expand it to other lines. I think it's a good way to get some really cool things out there that maybe can't be done at retail, especially in the current retail landscape. I mean, if you think about it, when you go to Target and Walmart, there's a few different toy resets and store resets, just seasonal, and everybody's fighting for shelf space. And I would not have bought a barge at full price if it wasn't done this way. Look at, we got the BB-8 playset for $50. I held off on so many of the bigger toys waiting because Target is great about that $25 off of a $100 mm-hmm. Star Wars purchase coupon. And Toys R Us in its day was great at the BOGO sales, buy one, get one half off. And honestly, the last few months, just Target and Walmart in general have been really great for clearance sales, which is something that didn't used to happen, especially with Star Wars items. I mean, it was cold day in hell before we would get a clearance item on Star Wars. Remember when the Big Falcon went on clearance and there were like 10 bucks at Walmart? Because Walmart's price drops are like, hey, it's on clearance. It's 10% off. It's $2 now. Like the next week. Like they don't mess around. They're like, we got to get this stuff out. I just love when I go to their clearance aisle and I see something and I'm like, oh, it's $19. What did it used to be? Oh, $19.98. (laughs) Yeah, but then like next week you go, it's a dollar because they don't want to mess with it. They want to see that stuff move. And I will say I picked up some fun stuff, you know, on clearance. I have an army of ATSTs thanks to them dropping that price down to $25. I bought one at full price. And I didn't care about damaged window boxes and things when it's $25. I'm going to open them. And when I have my new collection downstairs, you dang right there's going to be an Endor. <laughs> or a Hoth. There were ATSTs at Hoth. And if you trust the game Rebel Alliance or Shadows of the Empire, there were a lot of ATSTs on Hoth. Not just the one you see in the background of the movie. But I think... San Diego Comic-Con is going to be very telling. Now, in advance of San Diego Comic-Con, I think that Hasbro Pulse is still beating, but it may not be beating strong. It, You know, the doctors are still every so often. They keep it hooked up to the EKG just in case. Honestly, the app is so problematic. I quit even going to it. It crashes all the time. I've done all the updates. I mean, I've got an iPhone X and... It still just is not a good app. I've moved it to like one of the back pages. I don't even check it. Instagram is much better, I think, for it. Well, the Pulse has moved on to Instagram. A lot of the stuff on their Instagram page is labeled Pulse. And as part of the Pulse initiative, Steve Evans decided to do a Q&A with collectors. And I think that's great. I am right now soliciting questions that you want me to ask Hasbro at San Diego Comic-Con. We do have an interview scheduled, but... The ability for collectors to go straight to Steve to ask questions, I think, is wonderful. He only answered three, and I think he got 3,000. <laughs> but one thing that he said was Vintage Wave 2 is coming out in August, and that's only going to be four figures, though. And then Vintage Wave 3 will be coming out later this year. We got to get the toys moving, especially around the holiday season. Right now, I'm already seeing, and perhaps it's because... These are an entire wave of repackaged and reshipped figures, but Wave 1 of Vintage is sitting around at most stores. I could have picked up an entire collection just at retail, and I ordered a case instead, thinking it might be difficult to find. The one question I know I'm going to ask 
is where does Zuckus go? There has not been an announcement of the Toys R Us exclusive Black Series Zuckus. Didn't some exclusives that were supposed to go to Toys R Us end up at Entertainment Earth? And Big Bad Toy Store and some other online shops. Definitely Marvel Legends did, including the Hydra 2-pack that I... I mean, those things were going for $100 on eBay until EE got them. We never saw them. No, I did once. Oh, you did once? Mm -hmm. Did you buy them? All of them, yes. How many was that? One? Mm, two? Three. Oh, uh, yeah. But now I've ordered a case, so I'm good. But it, Zuckus has yet to be announced where he's going. Is he going to be at EE? I'm hopeful that they answer that question just as part of their panel, because I did intentionally schedule our interview after the panel, because I don't want to ask anything that they won't answer ahead of time and then just reveal it at the panel. I usually get a lot of questions coming out of the panel for clarification, too. But that's at San Diego Comic-Con, which is going to be this week. I can't... It snuck up on me this year. Well, here's what happens. So, you know, we apply for our passes in the year before, usually November, December, and we get that off. And then there's this long wait before they approve the passes. In the meantime, the Early Bird Hotel sale goes on sale, which I strongly suggest Early Bird Hotel. If you would like to know the ins and outs of hotels and you go to Comic-Con, hit me up because I can tell you all kinds of stuff about them. Where not to stay, where to stay, what's worth your money. So we get our hotel room. Still not knowing that we are getting passes. The hotel room is non-refundable. <laughs> so might just get a sweet vacation in San Diego. So then we get our passes. There's no sweet vacation in San Diego during the week of Comic-Con. If it's not hot as bleep, it's going to just be overrun with people who got in the con you didn't. Yeah, but if you stay far enough out, it's not that bad. It's still... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's not a huge town. Everyone thinks San Diego is like LA size, and it's not. But so you get your passes, and then it still seems like it's a long time away. It's like two and a half months. And then all of a sudden, you realize it's the beginning of July, and you're like, crap, it's in two weeks. We got to get our crap together. Get moving. It's always a rush, but in both ways. It's always a hurry, but it's also an adrenaline rush to be at San Diego, to see our friends who we only get to see once a year in San Diego. We talk to them online all the time. San Diego and other conventions are a lot like summer camp. As you go, and you know you keep in touch throughout the year. Sometimes if someone is near or you're near where they live, you visit sometimes. But you go, the first day is always a bunch of hugs, handshakes, raising a few drinks together. And then everybody gets to work. And, I mean, in, you see everybody in passing on, like, Saturday and Sunday, and you're just kind of dragging, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> so we're going to have more about San Diego Comic-Con, including a rundown of all of our exclusives and everything next episode, which is just going to come out in two days. We're going to kill you with this, guys. <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff to say. We, we've had a quite a year with Arnie's dad, and we've missed you all so much. The dam has broken, and you're going to be flooded with shows over the next week with Comic-Con. But before we go, I do want to talk about the other convention, Celebration Chicago. Yay for Chicago! I don't have to fly. That means I don't have to worry about shipping stuff. I'm so excited. I know. I can... We go there every year for C2E2. It's a great convention center. It is the largest convention center in the country. Yes, it is massive. Now, Celebration's not using all of it. They're using only one building. And I understand that they're going to use the new arena that was built for some of the panels. People are worried about Chicago. I would not believe a lot of that. I mean, we go to Chicago all the time. Haven't been shot yet. And you've never even 
no one's even attempted to shoot you. <laughs> Come on. I, I honestly, I mean, same with any big city. You just, you're smart about your surroundings. The convention center is not in a bad area. Don't do anything there. You wouldn't do anywhere else. I mean, kind of like, would you get in a car with a stranger at home? No. Okay, then why would you get in one in Chicago? Don't do it. I mean, it's it's a great town. Don't be worried about the weather. Honestly, April, it could be 80 degrees. It could be 30 degrees. You're going to be inside. It doesn't matter. There's a couple great hotels attached to it. I can't believe how fast the hotels went. Well, I know a lot of people did reserve hotels and they may not end up going. A lot of people said they reserved a hotel even though they didn't buy their tickets. So if you're still looking for either the Hyatt or the Marriott Marquis, keep looking because I assume that rooms will start to open up. And I know people said it's a bad time of the year. I I honestly think no matter when they have it, it's a bad time of the year for somebody. I mean, it it always is. I mean, for us, it's going to be the week after C2E2. Done it before and I can do it again. They moved C2E2. Is that still one week away? They moved it till the end of March, March 22nd to 24th. Okay, so it is earlier then. So I'm not going to be spending an entire two weeks at McCormick Place, which don't get me wrong. I I love it because if you're staying at either the Marriott or the Hyatt, and I understand they're building some new Hilton properties too, you never have to go outside. It is glorious. You come down the elevator at the Hyatt, you walk through the lobby. Actually, you don't have to walk through the lobby. You just walk through the little secondary lobby where there's like a fake Starbucks Turn the corner, there's a restaurant and a bar. Go through some doors, boom, you're in the convention center. The other option is, if you're at the Marriott or if you're going to one across the street, you can just use the Skywalk. You don't have to go outside. This is the best convention center. I love it. Except those hotels went the fastest. They did. And a lot of people aren't able to get to those. Yeah. And so for that, we actually made a reservation before the hotel block, outside of the block. And for some reason, it was less expensive than the hotel rooms in the block. Well, it was just as soon as they announced it, I made the reservation. We do have status with Hyatt, so that kind of helps. We did get the Hyatt member discount. So it is cheaper than the convention block. But even before that, without the Hyatt discount, it was cheaper than the convention block. Yeah. Didn't they say no rooms over... $200. uh Uh-huh. And we couldn't see when the hotel block opened any rooms under $200. Yeah. I don't think it's more expensive than Orlando. I know everybody's like, oh, it's so expensive. I think that's what we paid in Orlando was over $200, didn't we? We were at the Hilton that was attached. Yeah, and even when we stayed down the road at, was it a Hyatt where we had it, the parties? It was an Embassy Suites. Embassy Suites, that was over 200 Yeah, so I think maybe people are just angry it's not in Anaheim or Orlando, which I'm thrilled because change of scenery, I don't have to fly, I'm loving that. Not that I don't mind flying, but I kind of like it in my backyard. Here's the thing, I think it should move around. I know that they were looking at a lot of sites. Orlando, Anaheim were both in the running again, but they were looking Texas, Chicago, everywhere. I think it should be convenient to some people each time. I don't think it should stay on a coast where you miss half of it each time, you know? I think by going California, Illinois, Florida, Texas, maybe even Rhode Island. I went to Rhode Island Comic Con. That's a big center. If you moved it around so it's easy for somebody each time, that's all I ask. I just, I don't want it in my backyard every time. That's selfish. But having it in my backyard once in a while is nice. It's not been this since 2005. So give us this moment, guys. You know, we we kind of are enjoying this. And you know what? We're all going to be in this together. 
celebrations about teamwork. We're going to have a lot of great resources for you coming up. We're going to have some fun. And Chicago didn't hurt ticket sales. I remember when they announced it. Yeah. So many people were like, it's going to be empty. I can't go because there's no Walt Disney Park discount. I'm not buying a ticket or I'm not going. Chicago is too dangerous. I'm not buying a ticket. Well, if you didn't buy a ticket, you're just missing out because four days are gone. Saturdays are gone. Five, the five day passes are gone. I think the four day is still there, but or was there a four day or five day? I think I meant five day. Okay. Yeah. The Saturday passes are sold out, which has never happened. Yeah. Not you, this early. I remember Celebration 2. We just walked up to the door and got our passes. Celebration 3, we waited till the last minute to get them. No problems here. I did miss out on the VIP. It's only thanks to a very, very, very good new friend of mine that I was able to get one on the secondary market. But those tickets went so fast and I didn't believe them. I was honestly skeptical when they said Saturday tickets or five day tickets are 80% sold out. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. And then they went sold out the same mm -hmm. day. I'm like, wow, that was not a marketing strategy to get people to buy. They sold that fast. Is this going to be the most crowded celebration ever? Well, I don't know. They don't really release numbers like that. So I don't know if it's going to be bigger or they actually cut it. I mean, I was still able to move around quite a bit in both Anaheim and Orlando the last two celebrations. So I wouldn't say it was like oversold to the point of like San Diego where San Diego on Saturday on the exhibit floor. You just kind of got to go where the general crowd of people are going. You sent me to the food truck area on Saturday in Anaheim. Saturday Anaheim was a nightmare to navigate. Okay, I'd like to point out, though, that Anaheim was ill-prepared. Yes. Anaheim dropped the ball on so many things. No, what I have heard from an anonymous source at Reed Pop is there were a ton of last-minute ticket sales. They all happened in the weeks leading up. They thought they had good projections of what it would be. They were flooded with attendees last minute. And so they didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough of anything because they didn't think that that was going to happen in the last couple of weeks. Couldn't they just drive to Costco? <laughs> I mean, I went to get breakfast on Saturday morning because I'm usually busy and don't get breakfast until I get to the center and get everything set up for an hour or two. And I went to go get something and quite literally all they had were nachos. And I got one of the last things of nachos. And this was like at 11 a.m. in the morning. And they didn't even have any water or anything. I think I had to drink soda. Yeah, and you don't like soda. I don't. So I'm just curious what it's going to be. It may be that Reed really learned a lesson and decided we're going to be very judicious about the number of tickets we sell. Okay, first of all, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be fun. Damn yes. it. And everyone's going to have a great time. She'll force you to have a great time. I am all smiles, damn it. Always. I think that part of it, and this is kind of like just a good motto to have. My brother's a therapist, so he, he has this great thing where when you go into a situation like this, you need to manage your expectations. And it's a good thing to do. You got to have some plans. And we'll talk more about this leading up to it. But manage your expectations. You can't do everything. And I know a lot of people, the last one in Orlando, were very, very upset that they weren't able to do everything that they wanted to do or everything in general. You can't. And again, just manage it. And I'm not saying set yourself up for you're not going to get it. I'm just saying, you know what? It's You're there. You're around 100,000 Star Wars fans. How could you not have fun? Agreed. But... Yes, with it 
often comes disappointment. And that's something we're going to be talking about on our next show with San Diego Comic-Con and their new lottery system. I just want to point out that I took a huge tumble at the last day of celebration on the floor. There was some carpet that was bunched up and I fell face first. They called the paramedics because I fell so hard and they were really worried about me. I made a new friend out of it, damn it. I had fun despite that. So there's fun to be had is all I'm saying. But yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday with another Star Wars action news where we're going to talk more about Star Wars at San Diego Comic-Con and bring you hands-on reviews, thanks to our friends at Hasbro, of the Star Wars San Diego Comic-Con exclusives. And there's Porgs. Baby Porgs. And a mama and papa Porg. So thank you for listening. Welcome back to Star Wars Action News. Till next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find pictures of the toys reviewed, chat with other Star Wars collectors, and find hundreds of Star Wars Action News episodes at our website, SWActionNews.com. This podcast is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. You can also send us your latest store reports, figure reviews, and more. Email us an MP3 or iPhone voice memo at show at SWActionNews.com. All content received is subject for use on the show. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Podcasting.